to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Amen. All right, this morning I want to speak to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last Sunday was fun. Say fun. Uh, some of you received some amazing prophetic words. And just in case you don't know, uh, when Steve received the word, everything, we were just talking about his business plans on Friday. And so when, when Ash was releasing the word over Steve and when, when he was saying that you've been asking whether am I on the right track, these were all words that were in his heart. And so God was revealing to Steve the words of his heart. And so I'm just so blessed by last Sunday. And I think uh, Ash laid a foundation of the prophetic. But this morning, I want to push a bit into that. And I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say gifts. And so I'll be going a little bit deeper. I'll be teaching. And I pray that you'll be taking down notes. And at the end of this session, there'll be a, a time of activation. A time of activation where all of us get to play. Say yay. 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 So as an introduction, I want to say that God has created everyone, every person in, in this room to be supernatural spiritual being. And everyone means everyone. It means the person next to you. It means the person behind you. It means you. Amen. And we have the capacity to function not only in, in a natural world, which we're so familiar with, but also to access the realm of the Spirit, access where God is, and to bring heaven to earth. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. And God's desire is that you be a channel for heaven coming to earth, for His presence, His goodness, His healing, His love, His peace, and prosperity to flow through you and to manifest through you in the world around you. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now Paul is writing to the church. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth was a huge local church. And Paul is saying, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. So if last Sunday you looked at what Ash was doing, you looked at what one, two people were experiencing and you were scratching your head and wondering what on earth was happening last Sunday, this verse is for you. Hello? If you were ignorant, if you weren't part of it, if you didn't know what was happening, Paul was saying, hey, it's my will and, and, and it's the Father's will that you aren't ignorant of spiritual gifts. So believers must not remain ignorant. It's okay if you're unsure, but we cannot remain ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, their proper use and their purpose. And God's desire is for every believer to manifest, say manifest, the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that God does is incredibly simple. So if you think that this is going to be rocket science, it will take years of practice for you to be able to move in the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that that's a lie. It's not true. I believe this morning all of us can have access to these spiritual gifts and all of us can move in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you believe it, say amen. amen. 
all of us. It requires just an open heart to receive. So this morning, before I go further in this message, I want all of us to open our hearts. Amen. So let's come before God in prayer and let's open our hearts and let's activate this church and let all of us, all right, be fluent in the things of the Holy Spirit. So Father, we come to you and we open our hearts to you and we thank you that your word says that we are not to be ignorant, which means that you want to teach us. And your word says that all of us are supposed to activate and to move in the things of the Spirit. And so here we are, Lord. We present our lives, whether we are young believers, whether we're maturing believers, we pray this morning that you, by your Spirit, would teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is more willing to use you than you realize. Turn to the person on the other side and say, God is more willing to use you than you realize. Why? Why? I'm so glad you asked because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to make you feel good. To have goosebumps, to, for you to fall, to take uh, down notes, to have a journal full of prophetic words. Is that the reason why the gifts of the Spirit were manifested? Come on. For you to feel like you're some supernatural, powerful minister going around the world giving prophetic words. No. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, was given to each one for the profit of all. Amen. The prophet of all. See, you are a spirit being living in a body uniquely designed to express the presence and the life of God on the earth. That's who you are. God is living inside you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He empowers us. And all of us qualify to represent God on the earth. His Spirit is living inside us, but He wants out. He wants to manifest Himself. It was Bill Johnson who made this saying popular. He says, we owe the world a God encounter. And I believe it. See, the Holy Spirit inside us wants out. He wants to come out from our lives and to manifest Himself to the people around us. See, you are designed to flow and access with the supernatural realm of God. You don't have to become a spiritual person. Friends, you must understand it this morning. You don't have to become spiritual. You are already spiritual. Hello? You are a spirit being. When you are worshipping, you are feeling God, you are communicating with Him, you are already spiritual. You don't have to become a spiritual person. You already have the spirit dimension in you. See, with our body, we interact with, with the world. We've got five senses, right? We've got smell, hearing, what else? Help me, science teacher. Sight, smell, I said that, taste. Feel, right? So the five senses with, with our physical body, we're interacting with the world. This is smooth. This is rough. I mean, we are interacting with the world. This is curly hair. This is, I mean, we are interacting with the world. It's wood. It's metal. I mean, we know how to interact with the world with our, with our five senses. Uh, we're hearing. We're sensing. We're smelling. And likewise, we've, you receive signals. And from that, you begin to identify certain things. It's the same in the spirit. But many people haven't developed that capacity to interact in the spirit 
dimension. And if you have not learned that, if you have not experienced that, this morning I want you to know that this is your right. This is your privilege. God wants you to understand this. Come on. He wants you to walk in this dimension. Amen? The Bible says that Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, I have not come to you in the persuasive words of human wisdom. See, I love apologetics. I love smart teachings. I love intellectual discussions. But Paul, who was an intellectual Pharisee before he encountered the living Christ on the road to Damascus, and he was all about the intellectual. But when he experienced the living Jesus, he says, when I come to you, Corinth, I didn't come to you in what? Words, trying to persuade you to believe in Christ. I've come to you to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why he wrote that? Because before he went to Corinth, he was actually in Athens. And in Athens, Paul was the Paul who was debating. You know, there was this, uh, there was this idol, and there's a saying that says, this is, the, uh, this is an unknown God. And so Paul basically used that to say that this unknown God is, is actually Jesus. And so the whole place was wow by how smart he was. But there was no conversion. There was no impact in a- Athens. And that's why when he went to Corinth, he says, hey, I've learned from my mistake. I didn't come to persuade you. I didn't come to have intellectual discussion with you guys. I've come to demonstrate that this God that we serve, He's well, He's alive, and He wants to, to, and he wants to perform some amazing miracles in your midst. And that's why the church in Corinth was the most spiritually gifted church. There was so much spiritual gifts that Paul had to write to them to help them understand how to move in the Spirit, how to have proper order. It's to help us. Amen. To put banks to the river so that the river can be channeled to irrigate a dry and thirsty land. Amen. Because the river is useless if it's always overflowing the banks, right? But if you put, uh, if you put a bank to it, if you put a dam to it, I mean, friends, it can create power. Amen. So we have to learn how to interact. And the Bible says it's given to each one. Who's left out from each one? Who's left out here? Teenagers, yes. Youth, young adults, uncles, you're in your 60s. Are you left out from each one? Everyone. The last time I checked the dictionary, everyone still means everyone. So when Paul wrote this, he's saying, hey, this verse is for every age group. It's for every demographic. It's for those who are teenagers, those who are in their 60s retiring. This verse, the manifestation was given to everyone for the profit of all. And I like the word gifts because it's given, not earned. Hello? Which means you don't have to stay in church for a long time for this to happen. As soon as you understand how it works, as soon as the Holy Spirit empowers you or comes on you, you are able to operate in the gifts of the Spirit immediately. Believe me. Immediately. I remember when my kids were young and, you know, the, and uh, they were running around in crash, right? In crash room. And when Titus cried, my wife somehow instinctively knew, oh, that's my son. And so I said, how do you tell it's Titus? I mean, the kids all cry the same way. To, to the mother, is different. Every child has a certain cry and they can recognize it. Likewise, friends, we're living in a very noisy world and we need to learn how to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit and so that we can discern the signal from the noise. Amen? 
And that's what God wants to do for all of us. See, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to each believer as He wills and energizes them to make the believer fruitful in manifesting the presence of God. Understand this before we go further, that the gifts is not an indicator of your personal maturity. You can be super gifted, but you still have got issues. You still have got character flaws. So don't confuse gifts with fruit. Both are from the Holy Spirit. One takes years to cultivate. One is instantaneous. Because when Saltiha gives me his iPhone, for example, he says, Daniel, this iPhone is for you. I know that you can't afford the iPhone. It's for you. And I receive it by faith and says, thank you, Saltiha. Out of the kindness of your heart, this iPhone from this day forward has a change of ownership. It's now mine. Did I earn this? No, it's from the kindness of Salty Ha's heart. And I receive it. It's a gift from Salty Ha. And now I can give it to Evelyn because why? It's now mine. Evelyn, this is not Salty Ha's phone. This is Daniel's phone and it's now yours. It's a gift. I could be a jerk. I could I don't know, have foul language. But because I've learned to flow with the gifts. Now, am, am I saying that we don't grow in maturity and we just focus on the gifts? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we, have, we need both. But like what Reinhard Bonnke says, all right, character and holiness has its own reward. And we want to be holy. We want to have character. But we also need to be fluent. To be like Jesus, friends, we need both. The ministry of Jesus and to be like Christ, we have to be like Christ in character. We must be like Christ in His ministry. What's the use of being like Jesus in character without doing the works of God? You are, you are not being biblical. The Bible says that I, it's, it's better that I go because when I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And these things that you see me do, greater works than this shall you do. Amen. So it's given. If you will just learn to recognize and work with the Holy Spirit, you can move in the Spirit. Amen. It's not, it's not a sign also that one's life is completely right with God. We can flow in the Spirit, but there are areas where we need to grow in. See, oftentimes we tend to put people that, 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 that can move in the gifts of the Spirit on this pedestal, right? Oh, this guy, wow, Sean Bowles, amazing. Wow, that guy, amazing. Bill Johnson, James Gall, and, and, and we go to their meetings and we sit under them and we are, wow! And we just sit there and we are, wow! And we just spend our whole life wowing. <laughs> when God's will is that He wants you involved. Amen. I like what John Wimber says, all of us can play. What's the point of sitting in the spectator seat and just looking at 22 people kicking the ball? Come on, guys. If you're a real soccer fan, you want to play the game at your level, of course. <laughs> Not in the Premier League yet. But you have got to somehow start playing the game. Amen. It's a shared economy. Learn from Airbnb and from... All of us can play. All of us can run a hotel chain. All of us... Come on! What is true in the natural is true in the spirit. All of us! Ooh, Uber! We can all be taxi drivers! Come on, somebody. We can all do what Sean Boltz does at a different level because we need time to grow. But all of us can play. 
We've got the wrong idea, friends. And I want to challenge you. If you think that you need to be perfect before you can move in the gifts, I challenge you to find that anywhere in the Bible because it's not true. It's a religious concept, but it's not true. If you think that you've got to get your life together first before God can use you, then you will spend your whole entire life focusing on what? On trying to make your life better, on trying to become holier, rather than focusing on walking with God, enjoying Him, and letting Him work through your life. And when you are allowing God to work through your life in the interaction, you start growing. You start growing. When, 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 I, when I first prophesied, I was still a jerk. Less a jerk than, you know, a, 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 a much bigger jerk than now. But you know, I, I, I'm still growing. And God wants to work through everyone. And the gifts are given to profit other people. Amen. See, friends, when God gives you a gift, it's not for you. It's for someone else. Say amen. You're just a delivery boy. Look at this, the screen. That's who you are. That's it. You are just a delivery boy. It's like I'm connected to, to the Lord. I can receive something from Him and then I pass it on to someone else. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. I'm just the channel, say channel, through which the gifts flow. I'm the gate through which God interacts with the person. You are described in the Bible as a temple, as a house, as a building where God dwells, and you are the gate for the supernatural to come from heaven to earth. That's who you are. You are the bridge. I was having a conversation with a few, uh, with, with a couple, and you know, uh, we said, we are bridges. And they said, yeah, we are bridge. But for you to be a bridge, you must be willing to be stepped on, you, you know? It's okay. Step on me. No, it's not a wrong song. It's not lean on me. But you can step. Just step on me. It's okay. I just want to be a bridge. I want to be a door. I don't want to be the main thing. Jesus is the main thing. We are just a connector. Amen? We are just the bridge, the gates. So that other people can be blessed. Imagine if this is the church that we have where every Sunday, all of us say, I'm the bridge. I'm the gate. Woohoo! Exciting! Because you don't know who will speak to you and who you will speak to. And we're, we are, we're in this gifts exchange every Sunday. Don't, don't we all love Christmas? But do you know every Sunday can be Christmas? Because as I said, we are giving gifts. Hallelujah! Not physical gifts. Unless the Lord leads you to, it's fine. But spiritual gifts. Amen! Every Sunday you can bring... A word of knowledge is a gift. A revelation, a, a, a word of wisdom is a gift. A working of miracle is a gift. Faith. So every Sunday you can actually give gifts to the people around you. Amen. Don't, don't you want to be a part of a church like that where we are receiving gifts every Sunday? We love Christmas. I love to have a church that is like that where we are always giving gifts. So what kind of gifts does the Bible talk about? There are nine different gifts in this passage that we'll read from verses 8 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verses 8 to 11. In verse 8, the Bible says, For to the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Last verse, but one and the same Spirit work all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Although each gift has got its own unique function, it's helpful to consider them in three different categories. And so most of us would know this if you've been in church long enough, but let me refresh your mind and then I'll give you what I think the gifts can work together and we'll practice. Alright, so the first category of gifts, the Bible tells us we have got the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and we have the discerning of spirits. And this is what I call them the gifts of revelations. The gifts of revelation is information previously hidden, now made known. For example, if, if I talk to someone and they tell me that, that then I've learned from them. If I read a book and I've learned it, then it's from someone else. But if it's supernaturally given to you, that's supernatural. It's from the Lord. So in all three of the gifts, God just reveals something which you couldn't have worked it out and you just couldn't have known. So that's revelation. A word of wisdom is re revelation. A knowledge is a revelation. Spirit, revelation. We saw this in the life of Jesus when he was at the well, right? The woman at the well who came to Jesus and Jesus said, bring me your husband. And she said, I've got no husband. And Jesus, through the word of, 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 of uh, knowledge, says, yeah, it's true that you said it because you have got a man in the house and that's not your husband. And do you know what the woman said when, when she went back to her town? She said, I've met a prophet who have told me everything about my life. Did Jesus do that? All Jesus said was, you are living with a man who's not your husband. But she went to tell all her friends, I've met a man who told me everything about my life. Did she exaggerate? No. Because when revelation gifts are working through you, that's what the people around you feel. Are you with me? To you, it might be a small detail. It might be a, it, it wouldn't be a big deal. But to the person receiving the gift, it's like, God knows me. He knows everything about me. And you feel love and you feel like He's real. That's what the impact of the supernatural revelation was, was doing in her life. It caused her to experience that sensation that all of her life, all of a sudden, the whole life, her whole entire life was open before her. And God could see everything. And that's what God wants you to do. Amen. He wants to use you in this same manner. Amen. It's a little bit of knowledge, but that's called a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom where you just... Simply tell the person what to do, when to do, and how to do it. That's just a piece of God's wisdom which, you, which you didn't come from you, but it's sourced from heaven. And you just tell the person, this is how you do it. And that's what the word of wisdom is. And can I say, this, this, this works not just in church. Every day in your life, in your workplace, in your house. Wouldn't it be amazing if your children come to you and say, Mom, I've got this problem, what do you think? And word of wisdom flows and you give your child a piece of God's wisdom. And you say, wow, where did this come from? From above. At work, your employees came to you and asked you for a solution and you say, wow. And then all of a sudden, word of wisdom flows. But what about this? Discerning of spirits. 
which is not just demonic spirits, but also Holy Spirit, also discerning the, the spirit of a man. And you can actually discern, not, not being skeptical, not suspicion, but discern the motivation of people. Wouldn't that be amazing? When someone wants to use you and you just, you just knew it, when someone is sincere and you know it, I mean, the discerning of spirits, the revelation gifts can work every single day of your life. And this is what a spirit-filled believer should look like, where it's supernaturally natural, naturally supernatural, where you are just walking the workplace and the gifts are flowing. And people are saying, well, you're such, you're such a blessing. Of course, that's what the Bible says, for the profit of all. The world recognizes you as a blessing, your family, you're, so, so, you're such, such a blessing, mom, your colleagues, your employees, your supervisors, your bosses, your wives, your husbands, and the gifts are flowing. Gifts of revelation. Something that you didn't know just dropped into your spirit, man. What, what, what about the gifts of utterance? Something is spoken. Prophecy, an inspired word. Tongues. Interpreting those tongues, that's, that's what I call the gifts of utterance. Something is spoken and the gifts of power, right? Faith, gifts of uh, healings and working of miracles. Something is done. Something supernatural is done. So I want to just, we've got no time to go into all the different gifts. It's a, it's a long course if you want to go through it. But I want to just explain to you how these gifts work together. You have to understand that this is how God works. He adds layers Right, it's not just one gift working. In fact, I believe at any one time, you can move in all the three categories of gifts. And that will bring about a manifestation of the Spirit. So, the gifts of the Spirit operate together to produce a tangible manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, we've got the gifts of revelation. Say revelation. revelation. We've got the gifts of utterance. Say utterance. We've got the gifts of Power. Say power. All right, so revelation, spoken or declaration. Uh, that's, that's why I said spoken. And the last one is something's been done. Power, right? So this is how it looks like. Revelation plus declaration plus a faith action equals to a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's how the gifts work together. Revelation plus declaration and faith action brings about a breaking in of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain from the Bible. Acts chapter 3, the man healed at the temple gate. You know the story well. Peter and John were on their way to a prayer meeting. They looked at the man and they knew him because I believe they walked by him. But that day, they, he discerned. Peter discerned that this man won something. And so, Revelation. There's, there's a discerning of spirit that this man has faith to be healed. And then he spoke, right? Did Peter speak? That was a prophetic declaration. The silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, what? Rise up and walk. And what did they do? There, there is a faith action. They pulled him up, and when he when we got out of his, of his feet, he went dancing into the temple. Revelation. Declaration in the name of Jesus rise up and walk plus faith action on both parts produce a manifestation of the Spirit. That day, 5,000 was added to the church. Wow. So simple, right? Just two fishermen 
going to a prayer meeting, saw this lame man. There was a revelation. There was a declaration. They said something, and then there was a faith action, and it produced a breaking of the Holy Spirit that day. 5,000 men were added to the church. How cool is that? What about Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to verse 18? No time to go into the whole story, but Ananias received a revelation to go to Paul. Now, you know what happened to Paul, right? Paul was struck uh, bl blind, and he, was, he fell off his donkey, uh, donkey, went into an inn, and Anan Ananias was praying, had a revelation, right? And heard a voice saying, go and pray for Saul. And you will say this to Saul, you will lay your hands on him, and he will be healed. Same thing. Revelation, Ananias must say something, there's a partnership, and then there was an active faith, there was an activation, and there was a breaking in of the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened? Saul became Paul, and he became an apostle. We're all still blessed. Who was Ananias? From that point on, you seldom hear of that name, right? Can't we all be Ananiases? In someone else's life, where you are moving, where you are sensitive, and you heard the voice of God, there was a word of knowledge. How did, how did Ananias know where Paul was? There's no way, right? So, but he just had to go. There was a word of knowledge, and there was a prophecy about Paul's destiny, and then there was a healing that takes place. Paul was safe. What about Paul then healing the lame man? Acts chapter 14. Paul perceiving that the man had faith to be healed, he commanded and then a miracle of healing manifested. Do you see, do you see that the three categories of uh, gifts working together? Revelation, spoken word, utterance, declaration, and then power brings about a manifestation of Holy Spirit's power. I've got a chart for that. This is how it works. Something was revealed, something was spoken, something was done. It brings about a manifest presence. Woo! Just imagine if we all do this, right? When I pray for Sotiha, God, what are you saying to Sotiha? Re revelation. And you, you, you must say, you can have all the information. Great, God. Thank you very much. He wouldn't be blessed. All right? And you have to then release it. There's an utterance, there's a declaration. And of course, if he's sick, there can be a demonstration of power. Or there could be an impartation of faith. He goes back to Myanmar and plants 50,000 churches. There has to be, and that's faith. That's power gift. Faith gets imparted. And he goes back and he starts doing the work. That's faith. Or working of miracles. Breaking of finances, for example, you're in debt, someone just have a revelation, or you're in debt, and God wants to, to free you from, from that, and you speak it into existence, and then next thing that happens, this guy has got $20,000 in the bank. Not from the Australian robber, all right, but... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know there's bank robberies? <laughs> but it's just supernaturally done, and... This has happened time and time and time and time again. It's not just healings. Because power gives also has faith. Faith imparted. Come on. Isn't that good? 
Revealed, spoken, done brings about manifest presence. If you want more of God's presence, it's more than just singing. It's more than just us coming together. All of us must do our part. Amen? And so this is where I'll land this morning. If we know God wants to, to use us, if we know that He wants us to He wants us to release the gifts, He wants us to say something, to know something, to do something, what's our part? Because you have to understand that everything is, is us laboring together with God. So what's our part? How can we co-labor together with the Spirit? Let's go Bible. It's not just Daniel's good idea. Let's look at what Paul wants to tell us. All right, what does Paul say? I believe there are six responsibilities. Uh, very fast, all right? Don't be, tra- don't be intimidated by six, sorry. Very quick. Of the believer, what's your part in this? You know now, friends, that God wants to use you. He wants to speak through you. He wants to, he, he wants to show you something. He wants to do some miracles through your life. He wants you to be Santa Claus every Sunday, every day of the day, uh, of the week, just giving gifts to people. Now you know, right? It's for the profit of all. So now you know, you can't say, I'm still ignorant. <laughs> you know. But what, what is your responsibility? Number one, we have to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. Learn. Say learn. learn. Coming back to 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, the Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You can learn. God expects us to cultivate, to develop our capacity to flow with the Spirit. Your responsibility is to be a learner. And your learning, if you have not learned, starts now, starts today, and goes on for the rest of your life. It's it's a school you will never graduate. The school of the Spirit goes all the way post-grad, beyond PhD, into the, into the heavenlies. And you will be always learning. There's so many dimensions that you have to learn. This is your responsibility. You must cultivate a passion for learning. All right? God expects us to be builders, not just receiver of blessings, which means that all of us are supposed to build the house. Amen? Amen. Second responsibility, passionately desire the gifts of the Spirit. Passionately desire the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31 says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. That's your part. You must earnestly desire. Do you have a desire? If you, if you don't, this is a command from Paul. Earnestly desire spiritual, the best gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, he says, pursue love, but also earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, right? So earnestly desire, the word earnestly desire means zealous, to be passionate, to contend, to excel, to strongly exert yourself in the pursuit of something that you want. If you earnestly desire for your wife, when Jason was pursuing Constance, there has to be an earnest desire to go after her. And all the ladies say, Amen! Amen! That's an earnest desire. When you want to start a business, for example, you are earnestly desire, you're passionately going after it, you are learning. So it means that you must have an inner desire for you to grow in the gifts. Amen. Because when you flow in them, it answers all questions, all arguments. No one can argue with the miracle. We bring heaven to earth. 
And this is my story. I mean, we've seen not a lot, but, we've, but in my life, when God breaks in, you know, I've, I've seen the gift of faith manifesting in people's lives. People stepping out, doing things that, you know, I, that they've never imagined. I believe part of the fruit that we have or that I have from my life, you know, it's a combination of revelation. I spoke it in the altar call and faith is imparted and people stepped out in faith and now we've got Jason, we've got Salty Ha, we've got, that's the gifts of God. I, I believe I've got the gift of faith in my, in my life. I believe so. That which can be given. The story after story of how God used us. Do you remember? Altar call, revelation, discernment, prophecy, what was spoken, people cry. Faith was imparted, schools were changed. Yeah. Schools were transformed. Likewise, I believe this morning God wants to do this in this church. We have warm our seats long enough. Amen. We have been building community for some time now. We need to have more. All right, we need to have a little bit more nurturing relationships, especially among the adults here. All right, we're making changes, but we need to go beyond that. And we need to embrace our apostolic mandate. We need to step out and take some territories through us, flowing in the gifts, being naturally supernatural, or God using us. But we need to passionately desire these gifts. Number three, we need to stir up the gifts of the Spirit. If you have a gift in you, stir it up. To stir means to kindle glowing embers back into a roaring fire, to ignite a flame or level of passion. And this is what uh, Paul says to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. See, God imparted something, but whose job, whose responsibility was, is it to stir it up? Us. I remind you, Tim. <laughs> Tim, I remind you, stir up the gift of God that's in you, which means that you can, you can actually allow the gift to lie dormant, which means you can actually be inactive in the gift. But this morning, I'm saying to you guys, stir it up. And how do you stir it up? Using it. Stir it up. This is completely contrary to a passive waiting around, praying for a, a revival and hoping that one day, someday, God will do something. This says, stir it up. Step out. Do it. Take a risk. It's okay to fall and fail forward. But do something in your workplace, in this church. Stir it up. Let the gifts flow. Number four, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Do not quench the Spirit. How? Do not despise prophecies. If last Sunday, during the prophetic ministry, you despise it, you say, ah, waste of time. And you walked out and you're, you aren't celebrating, you are quenching the Spirit. Not, I didn't say that. The Bible says it. When someone's blessed by prophetic words, when someone is giving a prophetic word and you despise it, the Bible says you are quenching the Spirit. And to quench means to stifle, to extinguish, to put an end to something burning. And we have to be careful that in this church there are no people who are always throwing wet blanket. When someone is giving a prophetic word, someone is in, in the front, ah, yeah, useless one. Now. Ah, what is it for? Listen, friends, the ember in your, in your spirit, man, is dying slowly but surely if you are not stoking it. Come on. 
Don't quench the Spirit. How? Sinful words, attitudes, actions that grieve the Holy Spirit. How? Fear, unbelief, control, stubbornness, all quench the Spirit. There's another, uh, there's another verse that says, don't grieve. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. If you, if you don't celebrate Him, He will be grieved. If you don't make room for Him, He will be grieved. Imagine if every Sunday we leave Him out. If you invite me to your house and I'm at one corner, I'll be grieved. I won't be angry at you. I'll just be disappointed. Don't, don't grieve. Don't quench. When God's moving, don't leave the hall. Add to the atmosphere. Don't take away from it. Amen? Come on. Don't quench. We need to cooperate. If God is using someone, say, God, I want a word from you. If God is speaking through someone to someone else, not you, says God, you're no respecter of person. I'll, I'll, I'll flip the Bible. I'll open up the Bible, point a verse. God, speak to me. Cooperate with the Spirit. See, when you are hungry, you pull. Have you re- do you remember some of us when, when, when we're growing up, when we're hungry, and somehow speakers always pull you out? Do you remember? When you're hungry and people ask you, do you, do you think that they, they, they all collaborate and say, oh, to this, this uh, season we're going to single? It's not them, it's Holy Spirit. And He knows that you are hungry and He singles you out because He wants to encourage you. He wants to stoke your faith. Amen. Stir it up, guys. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Number five, don't neglect the gifts of the Spirit. First, Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, 15 says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. And then he says, Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. It's an amazing verse. It's a good practice to have is to transcribe prophecies. I told you before that you know, when, when, when I was really young, like 23, 20, 24, I'll be single out every time there's a prophet. <coughs> and I'll be receiving prophetic words and you know, people would transcribe it and I'll keep it. And one of them is a prophet from Australia and he came and he called me out and he, and he says, that, uh, then I see you doing this, 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 this. At that point, I said, you must be crazy. All right, but that was transcribed before we planted this church. I saw it. I was packing my uh, file because I'm moving out from the office that, that I was in in Cornerstone, and I came across that note. And when I read it, I had goosebumps. Do you know why? Because everything that Peter said, my friend, was like seven years ago, but every single line had come to pass. And I didn't know how to co-label with the prophecy then. I didn't know how to interact. I didn't know how to pray through, to meditate on these things. But now I'm learning. Meditate. I'm not saying that you'll be led or be directed, but meditate on these things, that your progress may be evident to all. Church, we need to be hungry and we need to give room. Don't neglect the gifts of the Spirit. To neglect means to be careless, to make light of to place little importance so that no effort is made to develop and grow in the gifting. Don't take it lightly. Don't just waste what God has given you. Don't despise the little beginnings that you start with. See friends, even if you start little, God will grow it if you use it. Do you remember when you first prophesied, some of you, and the prophetic word goes like, 
I sense the Lord says that He loves you very much. Duh, of course. But then this, that, this guy starts breaking down. Yeah. See, because even that phrase, God loves you very much, spoken in season, makes a world of difference. Shift something for someone's world. Some, this person might, might be saying, God, that morning, do you love me? Do you love me? You're so unfair. You're, you are blessing Mike. You are blessing Carmen. You are blessing everyone. You are not blessing me. But somehow you turn around, you, you say, I said this morning, that God says He loves you. Bam! It's true. So as simple as God loves you is a powerful prophetic word. Don't neglect. And then you start to grow in that. Right? It's like ABC, right? Say the obvious, prophesy Bible verses, but God speaking through you at that moment and you start stepping out. I remember when I was a young, young leader going to, to the Philippines and, there's a, and we were in a, this prayer line, right? So in those days, we believed in like the man of God. I was the man of God that, that day. I have to pray for every single person. And so I was going down like, Phil, 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 Benny Hinn style, right? Because that's what we know. Monkey see, monkey do. So just being a monkey that day, right? It's just going down the line. And then I stop at a girl and I says, the Lord says to you that you have been wanting to get married, but you know, you can't find a partner. And the Lord says you can trust him. I stop. I said, where, where did this come from? I, I looked at her. Does it make sense to you? She looked at me, no. I said, I'm sorry. I move along. <laughs> when I move along, she started bursting in tears. I'm in tears. I, I, I said, I think I'm right then. I was in the Philippines and... <laughs> I said, come on, just say it's yes, so you can encourage me, right? <laughs> but that's how it works, guys. Ask and say, does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense, you know what? I'm practicing. But that's how we give room to the gifts. Amen? Last but not least, number six, what's our responsibility? When we, when we start doing these things, learn to flow, desire, stir up, don't quench, don't neglect. Number six, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. Now, it's okay to be zealous, but see, Paul covered all bases. He's such an amazing lawyer. Just in case you don't know, Paul was a lawyer, right? He's such an amazing lawyer. He covered all his bases and he says, since you are so zealous with spiritual gifts, he says, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel in. Not for you to Go around with an S sign in front of you saying, I'm a super spiritual Christian. Not, not for you to sell your CDs and tapes or to charge $9.99 for a prophecy. <laughs> We've all seen all these excesses, haven't we? In the US, where you can dial a prophecy, credit card, and you receive a tape of prophetic words. It's not for you to merchandise the gifts of God. Amen. It's for you to edify what the church is, is for that reason that you seek to excel so excel in building up people to excel means to stand out because of having an, an abundant impact in building up people every believer I believe is called to excel in building up the lives of the people God gives gifts of the spirit because he expects all of us to be involved in ministering the life of the spirit to people why did I talk about this? Number one, as I close, because God is a supernatural God. In fact, what is supernatural to the Lord is natural to, uh, to us, is natural to God. So I pray that the spiritual realm will become so natural to us. Because supposed to, that, that, that's our portion, that we are spiritual people. 
All right? And the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural, which means that it goes beyond the five senses, not our hearing. It is from the Spirit. And God wants all of us to experience and to enjoy giving out these gifts. That every Sunday can be Christmas. And every day can be gifts exchange in your workplace at, at, at home when you start using the gifts. But what's the purpose? Is it have fun, fill out prophetic booklets? No, it's for the building up of people. You want this church to grow stronger? Make room for the gifts. You want people to walk in and be blessed? All of us grow in the gifts. All of us. All of us. Amen.